This is Payments Innovation. We take you deep into the DNA of digital finance with some of the most respected voices in the industry. Let's dive in. Well, hello, everyone. I am so excited to be back for our special International Women's Day Payments Innovation Podcast. I am thrilled to be joined by two of our female colleagues here at Currency Cloud. We have Sarah Martin and Fumbi Banjoko, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the theme for this year for International Women's Day, which is Embrace Equity. Women currently only hold about 27-ish percent of tech-related jobs. As senior women within the tech industry, how have you found your journey? I joined Currency Cloud two years ago, so I'm going to speak a little bit more about my experience climbing the sales ladder. Um, I previously started as a sales associate and was quickly promoted and climbed up the ladder. One of the main reasons why I was promoted is because I was always top of the leaderboard, and that happens quite a lot in companies, but you also need to be able to know how to nurture people and train people and coach, etc. I'm a co-carer outside of the normal day-to-day office world, so I feel my skills of knowing how to support people from different backgrounds, etc., married with my sales ability is the reason why I've been quite successful in my career in terms of knowing how to lead a team. But I think the main focus thread has commonly been championing successes of my direct reports as well. It's not really about me, it's about them and what I can invest in them and also bringing people on that journey. So it's really amazing to see someone who didn't believe in their ability and then in a few months or years they progressed and are now managing the team on their own. That's fantastic. And how would you say that you have found the industry as a whole? Do you think that there is enough sort of representation of women? I feel like it's becoming more apparent in terms of raising the profile of women across the fintech industry and tech in general. But we need to do more. And we also can't rely on the world to do it for us. We have to take the stance ourselves and try and promote ourselves as much as possible to inspire the next generation to do that too. Sarah, maybe you could talk a little bit about your experience within the tech industry and how your journey has been. So prior to Currency Cloud, I was in the MarTech industry. Contrary to the fintech industry, MarTech has predominantly more females. What has helped me um, throughout my five years working in MarTech industry is more of soft skills because you need to sort of understand, you know, woman to woman, how do you talk and also how to effectively reach to audiences, you know, through social networking and campaigns and so on. So transitioning into fintech, I see a massive shift like in terms of how uh, communications is done internally and externally. From what I see, a lot of of uh, senior and a lot of um, C-level um, females that are out there are typically a bit more assertive, a more, a more aggressive uh, kind of nature, but then they have to be there to climb the ladder to, to sort of reach um, where they are, right? So it's it's that balance, like getting that, that adjustment, um, not to be a pushover, but also be super firm is something that, you know, I'm trying to like learn and like hone on a day-to-day basis. You touched on, I think, a lot of great points there, especially the observation around having to be very assertive in a room, right? And and how the like a lot of the women who do make it up the up the ladder can be a bit more assertive. There's a balance there of like it is important to be assertive in business and speak up for what you believe in and kind of hold boundaries. But I also wonder at, at points like should we be trying to embrace more different personalities in the boardroom as well? And does the assertive personality always need to be the person that kind of makes it up or sometimes quiet but firm? And so that's an interesting one, I think, around the glass ceiling and how how can we embrace more styles? And that's like 
I think irrespective of male, female, other genders, like having that diversity of personality in a boardroom is very, very interesting. So I, I'm glad you brought that topic up. So shifting gears a little bit. So now that you're both in the tech industry, specifically financial technology, what do you think is holding women back from entering the profession? And also along the lines of that question, how has the industry changed since you began your career? One thing that I've come to realize that this industry is very incestuous, meaning like a lot of people have been in the industry for ages and they're just jumping shit from competitor to competitor. And I think with that, it's, it's harder for girls um, or like females like myself who isn't from the fintech industry and they're trying to break into the fintech industry. In APEC, I think the challenges is a bit different from what you see in North America, EMEA, because in APEC, Females are a bit more conservative here. They they are. It's just within our culture to to always, in a sense, take the back seat and let a man take lead on the conversations and sort of have a more agreeable sort of point of view and don't come off too strong. But one thing that's reassuring is that um younger females, especially in Singapore, they are a bit more vocal. Women often have this self doubt when they look at a role and if they don't tick all the boxes, they won't apply. There's a shift in this in terms of the different roles that are available within the tech industry. There's so many different skill sets that you can have from exterior sectors that are transferable into the fintech and tech scene. But also I've noticed the development of women groups and networks that seems to be on the rise of women in tech. And that community, I guess, is organically building across different regions and globally as well. There's a shift coming. There can't only be one woman in the room. There can be many women in the room. The networking piece is so important. It's getting to be very powerful, right? Because that's that to your point where women see a certain job description and think, you know, I have 80% of it, so I'll have to go build these other skills. You know, we need to just take that step and take that leap. And having a mentor or someone in your network who can say, oh, listen, like, I see that role every day, like you could absolutely do it. And so, um, yeah, really lifting up. That's that's such an important piece of it. Awesome. What do you think could be done to improve the next generation of female STEM? And I think I think we talked a little bit about like, you know, increasing networks, but I think we're talking more sort of at the beginning of careers or even in education. So is STEM prioritized in the schools in your region um, or your country? Right. And like, what is the support system for getting young girls into STEM and thinking more about these types of roles from the very beginning. I feel there's a shift, but again, it depends on the type of school you're going to, the area that you're in. If it's a state school, which is government funded versus a private school, which your parents pay for you to attend. So there's different opportunities that are given to different people at different stages. And also the borough that you live in may also play an impact. If they're a wealthy borough, you might get access to it versus a, a poorer borough. As a whole, it should start in the prim- in the primary school system because it becomes the norm versus an add-on to your your skill set and then allowing those children to see people in the profession so I remember I was in school a long time ago we used to have the firemen the policemen come in and tell you about their jobs but nowadays having parents come in and talk about what they do in their different industries it one allows children to understand there are other opportunities out of the, out there that you can follow in terms of the career paths and it may inspire them to then potentially want to learn STEM at university or whatever pathway they want to take be it apprenticeship etc. I think on the flip side as well with companies giving access to um, I guess apprenticeships actually to students or internships for free and to people who are coming from those more disadvantaged backgrounds where they wouldn't get those opportunities or don't know someone who already worked in the industry through their family network that is also a way that you can raise the number of one profile but also the diversity within the field. In Singapore we're quite lucky to to have a lot of um, support from the government regardless of 
what type of household you're from, um, yeah, what's your social economic status, and so on. So um, I would say typically education within the STEM um, sort of fields are quite uh, prevalent here. Most females are actually gunning for that, knowing that's a very secure route um, for a career path. Now, in terms of how we can help the next generation, I would say platforms such as like women's in payments, um, these kind of um, social uh, sort of groups. I think maybe what we can do is be more inclusive to the graduates like fresh grads or even you know uni students because right now most of the sort of age group is a little bit more senior within our women groups right now that we have if we have more inclusivity and with all these networking events to invite more younger uh, females aspiring to come into this industry I think that can definitely um, guide them and shape their minds of what to expect um, when they enter the workforce. I'm based in the U.S. And we actually, I think, have a bit of a, a flip side, like a, a different problem, which is we, I think there's less women in the STEM field who have kind of gotten past that glass ceiling. And so when you look at just the mass number of people involved in these like networking groups and things, I think they do trend younger, actually. And there's a gap of what I see of the the, the young, you know, who are out just out of college and kind of looking for those internships or their first roles and careers. But then I, like, I think there's that sort of like getting stuck after that point, right? Like how do we now move to that next level? And, and there's a lack of, I think, mentorship and a lack of visibility and connection with the senior women within STEM here in the States. And I think that's like a big gap that needs to be filled. Um, and at a certain point, you just have to wait for generational shift, meaning like there's only so many women in STEM, right? We're trying to fix that and get more into it. But to, to Fumi's point, I think earlier, make yourself more visible, go that extra mile to influence as many people as possible and make sure your voice is heard. Because I think that's that's where there's a gap today. From the education point in the US, that's another one where it's very split depending on where you're from, right? And your economic status. And obviously there's huge companies. I mean, Visa's wonderful policies around this, right? huge companies that are supporting family development, both for, for, for all genders. However, especially in the startup world, because we don't have sort of a national program for this, it makes it a lot more difficult uh, for women of that age to sort of move to that next level and say, hey, I can actually work for a startup, but also receive the support I need to build a family. It's definitely very interesting to see all the differences in terms of like regional um, influence and, and what, what we have there. Awesome. On the theme of this year's International Women Day, embrace equity, right? I think it's a very broad term, <laughs> but I would love to maybe go into what does this actually mean to you at the, at the core? And like, how do you think we can work together to achieve this? Quite straightforwardly to me, it means to just create a fair and equal world. I think right now, a lot of different pronouns is popping up and a lot of inclusivity is popping up and people are being a bit more uh, vocal that they are differing from the norm of what we thought, you know, a person might be 10, 15 years ago, right? So in terms of like how to achieve this, it's it, that's a very, very simple solution, but it's very hard to implement. It's just to be kind to everyone on different walks of life. Treat everyone fairly from, you know, the waitress to the CEO, for example. Just put yourself in their shoe no matter what and treat people how you want to be treated and this applies to work for example in APEC um, 
Singapore is the first uh, currency club office that we were established about a year ago. Right now, um, I think I was I'm the ninth employee to be hired there. So obviously, one of the first few females. I think I was the second female to be hired, and obviously, it's my role to sort of um, cultivate and help. Band together a certain culture that we want in Currency Club Singapore, and that means to be, um, you know, open, inclusive to to more females, um, especially if they are taking on junior roles, um, and also to sort of create um, that that feeling of family. So yeah, just be nice to everybody. I think that's that's just my very simple, straightforward answer to embracing equity. That's awesome. Love that. Thanks, Sarah. Fumbi understanding where someone else is coming from kind of putting yourself in their shoes to identify where the gaps are or how else you can help support them rather than treating everyone from the same level playing field and I also feel it needs to be part of your daily life not just in work everywhere you go it's that constant awareness and bringing people on that journey versus just talking about it in work in a meeting room and then going about your normal life and doing the complete opposite so that consistency is key and I feel that that's how you see a shift if you're doing it daily Others are influenced to do it daily in their in their lives too, and it just becomes the norm versus being a an app that people only draw out on the on International Women's Day and then a couple of weeks after until it dies down. I think mine um, is about. I think I have two. <laughs> One is I think along similar lines, which is is, is listening. Um, I think this world we could all do a lot more listening um, versus talking, right? And and coming with a bit more of a blank slate in terms of our. Um, uh, our beliefs and biases and, and hearing hearing other people out. And then I think it's also seeking diversity, right? I think, you know, in certain cities, if you live in cities, you, you are exposed to diversity, but in a lot of cases, there's not exposure to it. So it's like, seek it, like learn, right? Like be proactive about learning about different people's experiences because it's going to help you have a better view of how there are different approaches to everything and that it's there's not just one way of doing things right or, or one right way so i think those are the two that that i really latched on to um well awesome i'd love to talk about some great examples of equity in action um i know just maybe to touch on last year's theme which was break the bias i guess maybe we start not to call you out but did we pledge did you stick to it <laughs> um maybe for me I, I don't know if you if you made a pledge uh on the break the bias theme and, and if you stuck to it but <laughs> i did make a pledge and i have been sticking to it so my pledge was to challenge the lack of black female or black women in tech. We actually launched Currency Cloud's first Afro-Caribbean ERG back end of last year, which is a great achievement to help nurture the black employees we have in Currency Cloud and also try and attract more black talent. Um, and also on the flip side with the female and women in tech thing, I've been trying to, again, raise my profile, not just as a black woman in tech, but as a female in tech and also in sales. So there's lots of different avenues and trying to be that voice and be the change that you want to see. As awkward as I find it, because I'm not really a stage on stage person, um, but that's the only way we're going to be able to ch- make the change, right? So someone has to kind of lead the way. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. Sarah, did you pledge? Did you break the bias? Did you stick to it? <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest here. I didn't take the the actual action to pledge, but there are things or aspects that I've been, you know, working on and doing, such as, you know, celebrating uh, wins for females, being that cheerleader for them, um, and also calling out, um, you know, action if it's uh, very discriminatory, um, be it gender or non-gender specific, just calling out certain actions that are negative or harmful to, um, yeah, the, the working environment. 
That's awesome. Thanks, Sarah. I really appreciate that. What has Currency Cloud done to help break the bias? And what DEI initiatives has the company launch, I guess, to encourage gender balance. Yeah. So beginning of 21, we actually tried to make a change in terms of how we advertise our roles and changing the language to attract more female talent rather than having that tick box exercise. There's been lots of different initiatives happening across multiple streams, but I think the biggest one is allowing women in the company to have a platform together, be a community and support each other. And the company is actively encouraging that. But the main thing is, is employee led versus from the company, which I think makes the difference. It's pretty much the same. Uh, like right now, um, APEC is hiring aggressively. So um, we see that, you know, that there's a disproportion between males and females in our office here. So um, I can see there's um, quite um, active initiative from um, my bosses and HR to actively seek out females apart from males um, as candidates to get more, to get that ratio um, sort of up to, to up to balance. And also um, a lot of initiative from um, my marketing team on getting all of us, all females sort of enrolled in the women's and payments platform, um, signing up for membership, joining the network and being collaborative and also having like um, almost like a monthly gathering together um, just to not just focus about work, but also learning each other in a more personal space and, you know, understanding um, each other, uh, like who we are after work and just like fostering that, that relationship. So that's what we've been working on. All, all amazing initiatives. I love that it's like the focus of the internal side around hiring and supporting women within our workplace. But also I call it the, the octopus legs, right? Getting out into the broader industry and saying, hey, like, how do we get more companies thinking the way that we're thinking and actually taking an active leadership role in that? We have a group here in, in the U.S. called Women in FinTech. And um, my pledge last year was actually getting more involved in, in some of these more external networking groups because they were just kind of getting off the ground. And, and it's been absolutely amazing to see the support both externally and how what we learn in those groups comes back and then the discussions that happen internally at Currency Cloud and how it's really influencing both sides. So I love it. Well, I think that's, we're going to end there, but thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Fumbi. I really appreciate your time. Really some great insights today and happy International Women's Day. Um, and to all our listeners, thanks for always listening um, to, to our podcast. Thanks for joining us here on Payments Innovation. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas about the show. Connect with Currency Cloud on Twitter or LinkedIn to find out more. And remember to subscribe by your favorite podcast player. Until next time.